Welcome to Out of Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We're both professors at the University of Music in Freiburg, Germany. In this podcast, we reimagine the ways in which we learn and make music and explore how it can be part of a holistic, healthy way of being in the world. For our second season, we've brought in some help in the form of experts from different fields, ranging from environmental activism to visual arts, who can help us see where our blind spots might be and inspire us to dream bigger. Our guest today is one of my oldest and closest friends, Fabiana Biazzini. Fabiana and I first met in 1997 when Fabiana was a student at the Manhattan School of Music and I was studying at the Juilliard School. At the time, Fabiana was still a full-time concert pianist, which meant she was performing as a soloist with orchestras like the Bolshoi Opera Minsk Orchestra, the Santa Cecilia Orchestra, the Budapest Symphony Orchestra, the Kiev State Symphony Orchestra, and many others. Since then, she's gone on to do other amazing things and has become a specialist for learning and development. She worked with organizations like FAO, the World Food Program, and is now a learning and development specialist for UNICEF. We talked to her today about how she ended up on this career path and what music means to her in the context of the other work she does. I think it would be interesting to know um, a little bit more about your story, how you went from um, the music world, the classical music world specifically, to UNICEF. You know, I, I started playing music when I was three years old. And that was always my, my life. To the point that soon I started thinking, is this all what it is? Or shall we look around more? So the first attempt to, to look around and do something that could be socially useful was when we uh, put in place with my boyfriend at the time, I was really young, I was like 21, a festival in the Amazon forest in this amazing theater is called the Amazon Theater in Manaus, where we try to bring together, bring music in the theater and at the same time, revitalize the economy, the local economy. So it was the first attempt, a huge effort. We brought uh, 11 tons of cargo from the Bolshoi Theater in Minsk. We brought opera (laughs) to like 10,000 people who had never seen an opera in their lives. So, and that kind of uh, triggered this passion that, you know, was always with me to the point that when I, when I moved back to Italy, I, I was um, an FAO artist. FAO is a UN organization. And as such, I started playing concerts and raising funds for amazing projects that would you know, deliver food to poor communities uh, in the remote areas of the world. And I got more and more interested. So to the point that I, I went back to school, um, and then I volunteered and at some point I was keeping my two identities hidden from each other and one day I couldn't, I couldn't hide it anymore because I had been invited to perform uh, at the UN in Rome and my colleagues came. So 
<laughs> it was a big surprise for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't even that. imagine yeah. <laughs> these people who knew you just as as office yeah. Fabiana. <laughs> and they were very <laughs> confused on the side. <laughs> very confused. Yes. <laughs> wow. But you know, and that's the that's the question that I should ask myself. Why did I keep it secret? Yeah, that is so that is so yeah. interesting. I'm very, very interested in that as well. And I, I was thinking a little bit, obviously I don't know you nearly as well as Elena, but this is really something I, I was thinking about when I was knowing I was gonna talk to you today. Um, it seems like UNICEF what I know of UNICEF, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like UNICEF is geared towards a specific um, a group of people that is exactly the opposite group of people that classical music is geared towards, marketed for, has been reigned over by <laughs> for, <laughs> forever. Um, and I mean, they, they just seem like two completely different groups um mm. and and that's such a good I'm, point i'm wondering I, I maybe if that had something to do with it or or how you brought both of those together are you referring to the fact that unicef uh intends to save and protect the lives of children and we are usually playing for an audience that it's quite senior uh, to say, you know, is this what you mean, right? That's one. That's one part of it. I mean, if it yes, children and 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 then seniors, but also UNICEF is doing work probably even just when I was looking at your backgrounds, mostly with children in in non-Western countries, um, whereas classical music is is a very Western art form. Um, also. The fact that UNICEF is, if I understand correctly, um, is mostly working with children who are at the the lower end of the the, the wealth scale, and classical music is absolutely for, um, in very very large part, for the elite top um, mm-hmm. bracket, yeah. if you will, and and I mean that's just polar opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, that that is so interesting. You're not. I, I've never seen this. Uh, under this light, but I think, okay, first of all, uh, the mandate of UNICEF is um, for every child. So regardless from where they are, they could also be uh, children in difficulties within Western countries, especially now we have seen that the technology gap has penalized children who cannot go attend school virtually and so that is a huge concern so first of all all children should be have access to you know uh good education sanitation health etc um but of course there are some parts of the world where this is more more difficult and therefore uh to make sure that everybody's equal the interventions of the organization uh, is, is, is maybe more um, active in, in the poor countries. So, um, but having said that, I think to me, what was more motivating is the idea of creating a change, leaving the world in a way as a better place, you know, um, 
And whatever we try to do in our life, in our activities, in our work, at whatever level it is, whether it is with music or it is with anything we do, for me, the idea is how can I have a positive impact? So it goes beyond the place and the age and the group of, of beneficiaries. To me, um, I realized this when I was making this shift from only music to looking around and try to reach out in a different way. You know, I, I felt that I was constantly asking myself, can music make a difference in people's lives? And especially in the way we do it. You know, I was very much the traditional, I still am in, in many ways, the traditional performer going into a venue, performing for two hours and then going away. What is, what type of impact can this have? And can we rethink this so that we can actually make a difference in the lives of people. I had occasionally people who would come up to me after concerts saying, you made me feel in heaven or I forgot all my troubles. And that is immensely valuable to me. But how can we not make that the individual case? How can we really promote change? Um, and then I started being very interested in how music can be impactful in the lives of those who live in more difficult situations. And I'm sure Lainey knows because she's been also involved with, you know, with the work in Palestine, right from the... Well, not directly, okay. actually, because I never went there. Um, I, I've only been in Western Europe <laughs> in okay. that sense. I mean, I have worked with some of the kids who come from... Mm, only a few who came from the West Bank okay. and, and otherwise, you know, other Arab countries. You might remember uh, two years ago, the first grand piano arrived in the Gaza Strip. Mm. And it was a, a huge deal because people who are, you know, uh, just just fighting every day for survival for the first time they felt they could not just survive but thrive. So in that context, classical music or music in general makes a huge difference in the lives of people. Yeah. So maybe the question would be, yes, how can we make it so that it's, that, it's, that builds up positive change? Well, if I can say something about your particular way of giving concerts, I think maybe you're underestimating, okay, maybe the format is not so different, but uh, from from other concert formats when you play. But I just, I mean, having played with you for over 20 years now, <laughs> every time we play, the audience is absolutely in love. And and also you, you, you speak to them. And and the way you speak to the audience, I think, involves them immediately. And, and it's like, it's like they feel like they're in your living room, <laughs> wherever. Thank you. <laughs> so that's my observation of you, you as a performer and, and how you involve the audience and make it mean something to them also. 
Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that it has to be a really personal experience as much as possible when we, when we speak through music, but also, you know, um, as musicians, I think we are inclined to think that most people will love and appreciate music the same way we do. Similarly, as a person who has a passion for learning, I've always thought, Everybody wants to learn, right? Everybody is so happy when they can get their hands on something new. But it's not always like that. I realize some people are just resistant to learning something new. Like, similarly, maybe people who come to listen to us, they've never heard of that particular composer of that piece and therefore creating a bridge with something that is as familiar like words. You know, it can be can create a much more personal uh, experience for them. And besides the fact that I very often make a fool of myself when I'm up there <laughs> explaining things and they just laugh at me. So they like <laughs> Especially when I do it in different language, in a different language from my own. <laughs> yeah. the notorious Fabianisms. <laughs> 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 Which I just, but I think it's also just a, it's a, um, it's proof of your being unafraid to communicate in any way possible to you <laughs> and, yeah. and not to try to make yourself look good, but really just to try to <laughs> communicate something. To reach out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the the idea of reaching out is so important and that you know that is a bridge it's it's actually uh maybe the constant both in the musical activities and in the uh, development activities we always reach out to others we always like um make sure that we don't stay in our own little bubble but we actively evolve and, 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 and move away from our little selves. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. agree? Yeah, I, I think that's something though, that is, um, and I'm thinking back to conversations that Elena and I have had recently. I think that's something that is not part of, or, or not um, a part of the system of music education that we go through. Um, there might be some classes about how to promote yourself as a musician. There might be um, some classes about how to present yourself in a concert aside from just playing. Um, there might be some opportunities for music outreach. Um, but a lot of times it's not, it's not based on asking those questions of ourselves. How can we how can we get out of our bubble? A lot of times it's, it's more, how can we share our bubble with other people and bring them into our bubble? And I think <laughs> that might be a little bit of a, of a shift that might have to take place um, where, we, where we actually do get out of our comfort zones. I'm not even sure what, what that looks like yet, but it would be something along the lines of combining the two halves of your life, I'm very sure. <laughs> Which is so fascinating. You said a minute ago when you were describing UNICEF's mission to reach all children and to promote um, 
and I don't know if I'm paraphrasing this right, but promote the 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 health. You said something about base the basic needs that that all children have their their basic needs met, and I'm wondering, do you would you say that music is a basic need? I would certainly say that, but I'm a musician, so that doesn't count. I don't think it's uh, <laughs> it's not <laughs> listed. <laughs> It's not listed in the basic human rights, uh, but there is certainly the right to education. Right. And I, I couldn't imagine a fulfilling education that doesn't touch on arts and, and, and music as well. Mm-hmm. And we could see, you know, we, we can see the value of music in, in societies where uh, kids are struggling, people are struggling. We have many examples. Remember, let's remember the, uh, the orchestra in Venezuela that has been uh, made out of, uh, of recycling stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what change that made in the lives of those kids, uh, strict children. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, many initiatives to bring music of, uh, in the streets of Nepal for Nepalese children. Uh, we participated, actually, I participated as an individual, but not uh, with UNICEF, in an initiative that would uh, provide traditional instruments to children in the streets and, mm. and some education on that. Mm. Um, and that is Im- of immense value because it's not, it just really goes beyond the actual learning music, but it reaches out for to to uh, a way for them to communicate, to get together, to escape the hardship of the of their own lives, and uh, a way of, of of just you know expressing yourself mm-hmm. as a human being as you are, and uh, also one thing that I it it strikes me is that you know there is a lot of uh, uh, discrimination still as we know, in many parts of the world and even next door, even in our own countries sometimes. And, and if we think of uh, how many times, because of discrimination, um, people are seen not as they are, truly are, but as a stereotype, a racial stereotype or a caste stereotype. And let's imagine how valuable music can be for them to be recognized as human beings, for them to express themselves fully. And what can that mean for a person who's usually seen as not even human? I'm thinking about some uh, specific castes in Nepal, in India, who are seen as untouchable even. Can you imagine how valuable that could be if we gave the opportunity to all of them to express themselves creatively? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 I, it's so interesting to me when, when you describe this, um, because I, I would totally agree. Um, and yet it's interesting that you chose not to go into a field where you um, empowered people through music, but you felt the need to go in through another direction, even though you had all of this expertise and experience in the world of music. Um, it's fascinating to me that, you know, you, you didn't start a music education program. Um, you felt the need to, to approach maybe from, from, another, from another angle, from another perspective, the, the issues you, you talk about making a change in the world and feeling the need to do that. Um, and 
And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder, and I'm asking you, I think we both more or less belong to the same generation of musicians where like uh, when we were students, we, we were devoted to music completely. It was like our own way of life. It was a religion, it was totally. everything. And I wonder if, if that was part of it, where personally I felt that I was so much into it 24 hours a day with all my might, then I felt that my brain had to move also in a different direction. I felt yes. that I needed to break these you know, barriers and expand again. Mm. Yep. Maybe if it happened today where, you know, we as musicians today, as students today, I think we have so many more means to reach out to the world through technology, you know, through, through all these channels. Uh, maybe I would have felt less the need to, to break this musical castle around me, tower, ivory tower. That was constricting <laughs> you a little bit if I, if I read between the lines. What you I just think said. so. But we, not just me, I, I can think of many of my friends who, who were like that. We were living in our musical world more yeah. than in the world. Yeah. In Absolutely. the actual world. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And, and that is not different today, even with all of our technologies, <laughs> definitely. Really? Yeah. I think it, it takes different forms today, but, um, and, and maybe it's different at, um, at actual liberal arts schools where, um, where it's not just music, but at music conservatories, that is absolutely alive and well, this um, living in music and, and really um, being completely absorbed by it and in it and, and in, in turn also somewhat shut off from the rest of the world. I'm wondering though if it wouldn't be possible to to rethink that i mean that's that's kind of that's kind of the i think the first step is to is to realize maybe what that is and what it what it does to us and then to ask ourselves does it have to be that way and and what would be an alternative or what are alternatives and and how how might that also maybe shape our idea of music in a more healthy way yeah, I completely agree with you. And maybe it, it is even a matter of survival of music as we, we know it, you know? To open um, up, you mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, I think it is today when the world is much smaller than it was 20 years ago, when whatever happens in one country has huge impacts in another, we cannot just allow ourselves to live live in this bubble anymore uh, of course respecting the freedom of everybody there might be some people who are per- perfectly happy and they give as much as they can in this way you know within this protected bubble but i think that at least each of us should ask the question this question how can i make a lasting sustainable positive impact through music or without music um because that's a moral imperative i think yeah in this age Mm -hmm. and time yeah 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 
Yeah, a moral imperative. Ooh. Yeah, the word moral is a word that is used very, very little in the context of music and in music education. Um, but maybe it should be. I don't, I don't want to be too strict, of course. And um, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, because we do, and I said, like I said, we always want to respect people's creativity and freedom. Um, however, I think that just wondering and raising the question is already a start and can make us grow. No, Even yeah, if actually, we don't realize that we want to keep things as they are. Yeah, what, what that makes me think of is that uh, making a lasting positive impact could even just start with being aware of not making a negative impact. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's still so much. There's still, and I mean, we all have had these experiences. Fabiana, I know that you've also had really, really traumatic experiences of, of being um, demoralized and, um, and humiliated, right? I think we've all had these experiences in, with teachers and at master classes and various places that that is definitely not making a positive impact in, no. in any way. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But even when you, when you teach, I think, um, you know, being aware of your, of who you have in front of you, what are their needs, not just in terms of music, but who's the person in front of me? When I say, you know, your bubble, you might have been, uh, you know, teaching for many years in the same way, you know what you want to get out of that amazing masterpiece of music or anything. And your ideal, your artistic ideal is so high that of course you want the person next to you, your student or your colleague to, to reach out to that ideal. However, we've seen so many times, like, you know, like you said, uh, artists who are teaching, um, maybe without really fully realizing the needs of the person. Some, some people need to, to be taken slowly into, into the matter. Some people need to be taken kindly into I think into we all the... need to be taken kindly. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people might be, uh, you know, might be motivated by some sort of a tougher approach, but yes, but, 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 and that's the very, uh, similar to learning as well in general you know when you're just gonna say yeah yeah yeah, we all learn in different ways um yeah yeah but the best learning the learning that sticks is learning that happens when it's self-motivated and that's not something that someone can force on you um that's that's where i I have a lot of, of of yeah issues with the the approach um that's taken a lot of times the sort of <laughs> tough love that happens in music. Um, yeah, because, because in a I sense... I take love out of that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Big quotes for anybody listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can inspire, right? I mean, yeah. you can try to. That's really all we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, there is... Um, it's interesting to see another parallel with the learning world. Uh, uh, now, more and more organizations and even companies in the private sector value coaching and facilitation as opposed to traditional 
training. Yes. And what does a facilitator do? Yeah. They actually, they don't push anything towards you. They don't push ideas or content, yeah. but they uh, create the space for you to ask questions and to find your own solutions. Mm. So they just give you the opportunity to reflect and find your own answers. And that mm. is so powerful and motivating, right? Yeah, that's amazing. And that, because that actually, it, it creates or it, it fosters creativity rather than, I mean, in the other model, it's the student is this, or, or the person being trained is this empty vessel that you're pouring something into. Yeah, um, you know, you, I was, I was, when I was, uh, when I was in the conservatory in Santa Cecilia in Rome, I once was punished because the teacher walked in the room and I was improvising. And I was supposed to be practicing my Chopin attitude. So I was punished that day. Wow. Can you imagine what, what? You must have been very young also. Yes, yes. I was probably 14, 15 or 16. Yeah. yeah imagine this... what, how that can kill your... Wow. And, and how shocking that this happens to almost all of us. I would probably say all of us, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that it's not, this goes totally unchecked in the, in the music world. This is normal. I mean, that's the thing. We should actually be shocked by that because yeah. that is, it is not just a wrong way of learning. It is actually killing yeah. creativity. Um, yes. And it's so ingrained in us. I have to tell you, um, because I, I started as a pianist too many years ago and when, when my daughter started taking piano lessons, um, <laughs> I, I had to um, basically remove myself from the situation because I even caught myself going in sometimes when she was practicing um, and she would just be playing something. She was improvising. She was just, she was literally playing with music. And, um, and it, it definitely happened on more than one occasion that I went in and I reminded her that practicing meant playing her pieces. I'm embarrassed of that, but that just goes to show you I'm, I am, a music educator, I have supposedly reflected on this a lot, but still my own, my own way through music was so, um, was so steeped in this way of thinking that I have just absorbed so much of it and have not been able to peel back the layers. Even, even today, it's part of my, my subconscious way of thinking about music, which, um, which I'm horrified by. Um, but, and, and the wonderful thing is now that my daughter has stopped taking piano lessons, she, she plays the cello and the clarinet, two instruments, which I do not play. But when she plays piano, she sits down and she just improvises. Rarely does she play a piece and she's actually an incredibly good little improviser with her nine years. And, mm -hmm. and that is so much better actually than when she was taking lessons and being forced to play certain yeah. things. It's very interesting. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Please join us next week for part two of our conversation with Fabiana Biazzini. Thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to leave us a review so that more people can find us. You can help us grow our community of positive change by engaging with us. What's on your mind? Who should we talk to next? We'd love to hear from you on social media. Thank you.